And welcome everybody, you are listening to this Tuesday's edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, sponsored by AllToDoWithGaming.com, save 30% off your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE30, that's BIGBLUE30, Alex Skyvich puts it back again. I'm actually going to do a flip where I do the Yankees first and then I do the Giants, a lot of Giants news today, the lineup came out for the Yankees, even though this probably won't come after the game started, or will come after the game started as you should say, Jordan's going to be on in a little bit once I get through this Yankees subject. This podcast can be found on Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast. If you want to watch the visual version, which I've been putting out for a couple of weeks now, it's available on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for post-game recaps, podcast episodes, and live streams. Turn on the notifications to get notified when a video or a post comes out. Follow our social media pages for updates at Big Blue in the Bronx on Twitter and Instagram. So real quickly, before we get into the recap from yesterday and the preview for the rest of the series with the Blue Jays, I'm going to be out tonight's starting lineup. DJ LeMay, who will bat first at second base. Batting second, the designated hitter Aaron Judge. Batting third is the center fielder Aaron Hicks. Batting fourth is the cleanup hitter, first baseman Luke Voigt. Batting fifth is shortstop Gleyber Torres. Batting sixth is third baseman Giovanni Urshela. Batting 7th is the right fielder Clint Frazier. Giancarlo Stanton has a night off tonight. Batting 8th is left fielder Brett Gardner. Batting ninth is Kyle Higashoka. Garrett Cole is on the mound. So he will be facing Tanner Roark tonight. Tomorrow night is the Tanaka and the Chase Anderson start. Chase Anderson did not pitch, or I should say did not start against us the last time. It was Merriweather. And then Anderson came in to blew the game. I'll go over that recap, but... And I want to go over something real quick. We did lose the final game of the Boston series, and we also lost the beginner of this series. So let's quickly go over this, and I'll discuss my thoughts and everything. So Michael King did not do well yesterday, and he got the loss, his second loss of the season. And, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, well, you know, he's just a kid. A lot of Yankee fans don't believe in him right now. We lost 11-5. We had a rally going on in the ninth inning. Obviously, it wasn't enough. So... Second inning, Urshela hits an RBI single. An inning and a half later, King gives up a couple of runs in the bottom of the third. Then they bring in Loisaga. He gives up a couple of runs. The only pitcher in the Yankees' bullpen that didn't give up any runs is Adam Lattavino. So let's read you Michael King's stats without just bantering about how bad he is. He went two and a two-thirds innings yesterday. Five hits, five earned runs, one walk, six Ks. And just as a stat, In the fourth inning and the fifth inning, actually no, it was the third inning and the fourth inning, 10 unanswered runs. Actually, there was actually another run, I think it was in the fifth or the sixth, pretty sure it was the sixth, they gave up another run. So for the Yankees' offense not to score was kind of embarrassing, if you ask me. They only scored the second run off of Zutro, however the hell you say his name, I really don't care. Matt Shoemaker, I think we should have destroyed him. You know, his ERA now is at a 4.71 now that he basically, you know, through his three innings did meh against the Yankees other than the runs and the hits, you know, two walks, one K. I don't know. I just feel like I had higher expectations, but I said to my friend yesterday, I said, I feel like we're going to blow this series. I really do feel like that because, you know, everybody has said this season, even since the seven game losing streak, we win this many in a row, we're going to lose this many in a row. And I said on Twitter yesterday, I said, well, we're losing two in a row right now, and we just won 10 in a row. So that means we lose 10 in a row. There's not 10 games left to play in the season, even though we did clinch the playoffs. So we'll see what happens, but 
that's you know just a point I wanted to come across. So obviously we got Cole and Tanner Rourke tonight at 6:30. As I mentioned before, if I didn't already, I'm probably not going to get this out before the start of the game, so I'll probably be after. Even though my preview would probably be a little late, but obviously previewing for tomorrow's game, you know, it would just be right on time. It's a good thing though that both Cole and Tanaka impressed in their last starts against the Blue Jays, but the Yankees were home. And I really do feel like that the Blue Jays should just move to Buffalo because they're 28 and 26. They were horrible the last two seasons. They're 13 at 7 at home. Let's check the Yankees' record real quick. I might, might miss something here, but I feel like I'm not. Let's quickly take a look. We are 21 and 7 at home. And the Blue Jays, as I just mentioned, if I didn't already, they are 13 and 7 at home. They should just move to Buffalo. I'm not saying, you know, break away from the Canadian fans, but at the same time, look how they're playing. And they could beat up on the Yankees there, so it might as well just be, you know, as an advantage. But before we get into the preview. And, you know, look at the last time out for all four of the pitchers. Because, obviously, we got tonight's game. we got tomorrow's game. Let's take a look at the standings, both league-wide with seeding and the divisional standings. So, real quickly. Now, the Yankees, they're in similar spots right now when it comes to both standings. They are the fifth seed. They clinched a playoff berth two nights ago, even though they lost. So they clinched the playoffs two nights ago when the Padres won because Seattle was trying to compete for a playoff spot, and the Yankees got it in because the Padres beat them. But we are behind Tampa Bay, Chicago, Oakland, Minnesota, and obviously we're the fifth team. We are four games back, actually four and a half, from the division and from the one seed. We'll see what happens, but I don't have too much faith that the Yankees are going to get that one seed. Why? Because I think it was last night, don't mark my words, but I was watching the Michael K show earlier and Don was mentioning, you know, Jacob DeGrom having a quality start, gives up two runs, Mets lose 2-1. to one. That's the Mets for you. Remember how many times they walked off against us this season? And how many times we blew leads? Chad Green being, you know, infamous, Roldis Chapman being infamous. So, I don't think Tampa Bay is giving up that one spot. Maybe to the Chicago White Sox. They're another team that's really surprised me this year. But they're certainly, as hell, not giving up this division. That's what I'm going to say. And thank God tonight, you know, even though Tanner Roark is pitching, and then you got tomorrow, which is Chase Anderson, who got beaten the shit out of by the Mets. Thank God that Gary Sanchez is not playing, because I, I cannot watch another game that he is fucking swinging at pitches that are not even in the strike zone. Like, it's okay if you have a bad at-bat, but Boone just decides to play him for some reason. He has no accountability when it comes to Gary Sanchez. At least Girardi had that. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, move on, you know, 200 win seasons. Okay. You know what? We went through a seven-game losing streak where Boone was saying the same thing. I saw some good things. You know where we saw some good things, guys? The Giants last two weeks. They're 0-2. But there's progression there. And I know... I'm not making the comparison that, you know, the Giants are better than the Yankees. No. But 
we have a coach in one subject that takes accountability and says, okay, we need to do this better. Coach in another subject that says, we saw some good things today. And it took the general manager, everybody, to go down there and say, lighten the fuck up. So real quick, going and ranging from Garrett Cole's last start, he faced Tanner Roark. Roark went four innings, six hits, six earned runs, two walks, four Ks, and four homers. Kyle Higashoka with three that game, but obviously necessarily those are not all off Tanner Roark. It would be awesome if it was, but it wasn't. He did actually hit one of them, though, off of Tanner Roark, which it's a good thing he's playing in the lineup. And I'm really surprised at this now I just thought about it. I'm surprised that Higashoka does not have a day off because usually the analytics or Boone's analytics will tell you, you know, this guy does good against the pitcher, but it's not his day-to-day, so bench him. We'll see what, you know, we take out of that. But for Garrett Cole's stats last time out, seven innings pitched, 95 pitches, 3.00 ERA on the season, which has actually improved a little bit. Three hits, one and run, two walks, eight Ks. So Tanaka, who pitched the next day, seven innings, seven hits, three and runs, five Ks, two homers, 91 pitches, 3.27 ERA. Comparing to Chase Anderson, now Anderson did not start the game, but he did get the loss because Merriweather, he started the first inning and then Anderson came in did whatever they had to do. Anderson gave up seven runs, eight hits, one walk, four Ks, 7.45 ERA. So if we do not beat him up tomorrow, I'm going to be pissed. I am going to be pissed. I will, trust me. And it's bad enough that that game exactly, that Chapman and Holder almost blew it. Because Holder, you know, gave up four runs. And, you know, it was, what, 10-3? to And Tanaka gave him, what, three runs? So Chapman gave up a run, but it wasn't necessarily his earned, or maybe he did. I have to look back, but Chapman only had 12 pitches, and both of them, thank you very much, made it a safe situation. And both of them have above 4 ERA, which is not good in my book. I don't know how the analytics see that, because they're you know, they pretty much backwards when it comes to baseball, at least Boone's analytics. But going on their standpoint, let's have these quality starts, and I'm going to talk about Davy Garcia in a minute. But what I'm saying is, you know, have these quality starts in the case that Boone would be saving his bullpen a lot of work. And the bullpen isn't that good. You know, since the seven-game losing streak, we've come a long way, but we're still not perfect yet. Chapman's still struggling at points. Holder can't throw a strike. Adovino is somewhat, somewhat. He is a 6.91 ERA, at least stemming from the game against the Jays. I think he probably maybe pitched maybe, I don't know, one more appearance against the Red Sox. I didn't see the Sunday game, though, because I was watching the Giants, of course. But I have a lot of faith in Davey Garcia, even though it is a, I would say, a question mark or an exclamation point, a warning sign, that he gave up as many runs as he did against a ruthless Red Sox team. I mean, we won the series and all, but, you know, it's just, it's going to be those big times in the playoffs. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, we play probably either the White Sox. I don't know how the seeding goes, but right now we're number five. So I think we actually, I forget who we play, but if we were in fourth place, we would play either the Athletics or the Minnesota Twins. And I don't have a lot of faith that we're going to win in the first round. I really don't. Because it's games like that 
And everybody's saying, or questioning at least, should we give Divy Garcia a chance in the playoffs? Right now, that doesn't seem too off besides his one start. You know, Tanaka and Cole, Tanaka's a beast in the playoffs. Cole, obviously, he's done well in the last couple of years. You know, J-Hap, we'll see what he does because, you know, he's been on and off all season. I really don't like J-Hap, and I don't think they should bring him back. Tanaka, I think he's going to be brought back because, you know, he's been pitching at least decent this year. And, you know, when he goes in the playoffs, he's perfect. And James Paxton, he's not going to be brought back next year. So, Javi Garcia is ready to take that next step if he takes it. It's not the organization taking it. The organization can't take it in the case that they're believing in him and saying, okay, you know what, we're going to let this go. We're going to let this pitcher go in free agency. Therefore, we're going to bring you up and make you a starter full-time. Don't depend on Michael King. And Loisaga, you know, when my brother said yesterday, when he came in, my brother, I said, you know what, game's over. Loisaga go, goes up and gives a couple of runs up. If I'm going to take a look right here, he gave up four runs, three earned. And before that, obviously before all the runs, my brother goes, he hasn't pitched bad this season. I said we're talking about Jonathan Loisaga here. So we'll see what we make out of that. But as for right now, you know, I'll preview the Marlins series when that comes by. I'm probably going to actually do that on Friday. I'm not going to make this a whole, you know, just the Giants thing. I'm probably going to have to do that on Friday. And I could say maybe, maybe not. I'll get the podcast episode out. But it's going to be a bunch of day games. It's going to be interesting to watch because, you know, the 49er game is at 1. Yankee game is at 3. And that's the last game of the season. And before we go on to the giant subject where Jordan joins us, I want to make a remark about this playoff bubble. Now, Manfred has fucked up in a lot of ways. The NFL is at least doing their job, whether you like it or not, and enforcing the rules. So you have to wear masks, you know, this thing and the other thing, especially with protocols. But you've had the most breakouts in baseball. And Manfred wants to do something smart. Now, this was proposed... Way back when, when the MLBPA and the MLB were fighting, because, oh my God, I want my money. Oh my God, I don't want to be in a bubble. Okay. So, now that we're approaching fall, and the weather is getting certainly colder, Manfred wants a playoff bubble. One in California, one in Texas. Aaron Judge, press conference yesterday says, I don't want to be away from my family too long. I don't like the idea. Aaron Judge, I respect you, but that I cannot really take in. You know, whether you watch the NBA bubble or whether you watch the NHL bubble, I don't understand, you know, the playoffs is not two months. The playoffs is about a month Less than. And there's not necessarily going to be off days for a lot of games. There might not even be off days in some cases. But, you know, Justin Turner a couple weeks back was worrying, you know, uh, I can't see my family. Take two seconds, Justin. And Justin, I like him. I like Justin Turner. Dodgers is my second favorite team. 
But you have to think about the players in the NHL and the players in the NBA in Florida who have been away from their families for what, two months now? Coming upon three? I don't know, I have to do my month calculations. But you're going to sit here. You get to play in a regular situation without fans though. I will say that. Everybody's not playing with fans except for portions of the NFL. You know, you played in somewhat of a regular situation where you've been playing in your own stadium. NHL hasn't. NBA hasn't. They're just putting in the families in the bubbles right now. For NBA, I don't know about NHL. So, here's my regard. The players can do what they want. Let's just say they don't have a bubble and they stick to traveling and doing all this, you know, all that. COVID breaks out, it should be the players' fault. And, you know, I know the MLPPA and all the people who defend them, blah, blah, blah. But the players in this COVID 2020 age have to take what's given to them. Do you want to play and not risk COVID and stay in a bubble? Or do you want to go out there and risk not being in a bubble? getting COVID and possibly other players doing idiotic things and saying, you know, uh, it's my responsibility. uh, You know, it's my decision. It's not the MLBs. We'll see what happens from there. But my main point is stick to the bubble for a month. You will be fine. That's my view. I don't know how you guys feel. But here's the next subject. Jordan is joining us. So now we are on with uh, my friend Jordan Levine, editor at All New York Sports, as am I. So let's talk a little, Jordan, about this Giants-Bears game. We saw a lot of good, but we also saw a lot of bad. I'll start pointing out some positives, and we'll talk about it. Giants fought towards the end of the game, something you really didn't see with Pat Shermer last year or the year before that, even though it seems like, and I'm going to bring this up into the negatives, that they only play two quarters a game. You know, this week it was the third and fourth quarter. Last week was the first and second quarter. Ingram showed up towards the end of the game. So did Tate. Giants hold in three sacks with B.J. Hill, Kyler Fackrell, and Lorenzo Carter. And we also held Mitchell Trubisky to 197 passing yards and James Bradbury... Had a great game, and Julian Love also hauled into an interception. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me back. Um, uh, second of all, I was going to say, uh, yeah, the defense looked great. I think they actually had four sacks. I think Blake Martinez uh, snagged one also. Um, but I was going to say, yeah, back to what you mentioned before with the whole Pat Shermer thing, uh, I think uh, one of the reasons that you're seeing this type of change is because of Joe Judge. And I don't think that the losses are, are really – he's letting the losses get to his head, and I think he's more focused on the task at hand, which is making this a better football team over time. Um, and uh, I think that the fight that he's instilled in this team is really showing because, yes, we've lost two games, and there have been some very ugly moments of Giants football so far in the 2020 season. But uh, if you actually look at it, we've played two, two, two 2-0 teams – um, and we and we we hung in there with both of them. So uh, it's definitely some encouraging stuff. Obviously, it wasn't a great day with the whole Saquon Barkley injury, and you know they did lose on that last play. But there's definitely what to be encouraged about. And something I want to remark with a lot of people and a lot of journalists, and some people get it, some people don't. We've played 
two great teams on the defense. You got Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, and Akeem Hicks on this one. You had TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, and also Cam Hayward on the last one. Even though that the Bears might be a less encouraging team, it seems like the Giant fans are just going after Gettleman now only because of Saquon Barkley's injury. Listen, if I'm going to be honest here for 20 seconds, I didn't want Saquon Barkley at first. I wanted Josh Allen 2018. Then I said, okay, you know what? Let me let me. I agree. I agree with you 100% on that, by the way. Let me groove into, you know, this whole Saquon Barkley thing. And, you know, now that he gets injured, Giants fans are going. Let me ask this. Where was the blame in game one? Was it because the, the Giant fans... Now, I'm not going to criticize all Giant fans. You know, some have, you know, passion. Some are just overreacting. Where was this criticism game one when Saquon Barkley, you know, only ran for six yards behind the offensive line that was going against a tough defensive line? And are they still mad because a lot of Giant fans thought we were supposed to win this game? And I predicted them to win, but I'm, you know, I'm still sitting here saying back, you know, uh, we t- faced a tough defensive line. Like, you know, I think Khalil Mack actually led in pressures with seven if I'm not mistaken, and it was Akeem Hicks with five and Robert Quinn with four, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mixing those numbers up. But it just seems that it's really blatant as of late by the Giants community to throw blame on Gettleman. And real quick, before I let you have a say, you know, someone brought up, it was a good point, I don't remember, I think it was actually Jets Talk Radio. They said all these, you know, journalists and whatnot, and also all these sports broadcasters, they act like they speak for the fans. They don't. And something me and you know specifically about Jordan, when we're editing at All New York Sports, what do we tell the writers? Write from a writer's standpoint. You don't write from a fan standpoint. And, you know, it's so different in a lot of ways than what we deal with and, you know, what these beat reporters deal with. It's like, you know, they're told that they're assigned to the Giants. I don't know if they're Giant fans or not, but they're told to assign to the Giants. They're not speaking for the fans here. There's a lot of fans out there that are, you know, really overshadowed or undershadowed because of their views and likes for Dave Gettleman. And they're just being criticized by the rest of the Giants community with the beat reporters leading the way. I did get the gist of what you were saying. And I'm going to take it back to what we were talking about before on the draft, obviously, because that's something I'm passionate about and Dave Gettleman and how he's receiving all the blame. I have to say this about Dave Gettleman. First of all, there were many other options. You can you can dwell on the past or you can live in the present and move forward. Am I going to say, oh, we should have drafted Josh Allen and taken Devin, Devin White the next year instead, and we could have been in such a different place? Obviously, it's fun to think about that. But at the same time, when you're picking second overall and there's a talent, generational talent like Saquon Barkley, you don't assume that he's going to be hurt for most of his second and third years of his rookie deal. And that's a very – it's very hard to pass up on a guy like that. So that's first of all, what I'm going to say. Second of all is the reason that Dave Gettleman is getting the blame right now, in my opinion, is not because he's done anything, anything wrong. It, in my opinion, it's because he and Joe judge are committed. Both of them are committed to making this team better over time. Not one of them came out and said, Oh, we're going to win a super bowl in a year. You know, to build it from ground up if you look at this team there's i think four players left on the roster that weren't drafted or brought in by dave gettleman so clearly he's building it from the ground up and clearly it's going to take some time now 
does that mean that he should be fired because we're not playing well right now? In my opinion, no. Is that a possibility if we end up winning three games this season? Likely. Um, so that's my thoughts on Dave Gettleman right now. I think he's just getting the blame because you're in a market like New York. The fans are angry. The fans, you know, like the fans, we have a guy, Eli Manning, he, he won us two Super Bowls and he's probably one of the most controversial athletes in, in New York history just because of the fans, you know? we're passionate. We love it. We want to win. And, and we want, we want our teams to reflect our city because we're the, one of the greatest cities on, in, on the planet, let alone America. So that's one of the reasons in my opinion, why Dave Gettleman is getting a lot of hate currently because we're losing games, even though we're hanging in there and the team is clearly showing progression from the last two years. But at the same time, it's just, there's no one else to blame. So who do you turn to? You know what I mean? You turn to the guy who's making all the main decisions. And it's been a lot of Giant fans. I mean, I don't know. I don't count everybody, obviously. But it's been – there's been a lot of Giant fans out there that were on the Saquon train. And everybody, you know, especially after the Eli benching, you know, everybody was on the Saquon train to make – you know, everyone was on the Saquon train to make Eli better. Did that happen? Not really, no. Because, you know, everything that went wrong in the 2018 season and they rebuilt and started trading people midway through. So – you know, that didn't work out. I didn't understand. Like, there was obviously some expectations. You know, Dave Gettleman basically said, you know, we're going to win this year. In 2018, that didn't happen because the offensive line was rebuilt like nine times. The defense couldn't do anything in the second half of the season. And I just don't know what Giants fans expected in a lot of the things. Even though they were told that, I will say that Dave Gettleman has made a lot of mistakes. Because if you look at the pieces that we acquired on defense, you know, these are all Arizona Cardinals guys, it's not Chandler Jones. You take a look at the offensive line. Patrick Omame and Eric Flowers at right guard and right tackle. You know, that's not necessarily a pro offensive line. You know, if you drafted somebody on the right side, you know, okay, then make a point there. But my point is, you know, you were on the Saquon Barkley train. And now you're off that train, which means you're off the Dave Gettleman train. So what does that mean for you? Now you're transparent because Saquon got injured. And I understand, you know, there's a lot of questionable questions whether you put the second overall pick on a running back and you know how he's been hurt the last couple of games that's a whole different topic that's that's yeah. a whole different topic at the same time yeah you know? and you know the fans are just you know rah 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 you know how many times you know even not even in football have fans gone out there and ruined people's careers it's you know there's good parts about new york and there's bad the fans right now are showing the bad side, at least some of them. And I don't blame all of them, you know, for the frustration on the offensive line. Like it's Jordan. It's just the mentality. Yeah. It's just the mentality. And if you. Your fans will always be like that. Yeah. And if you, you know, I shared a lot of frustration with this certain play. I mean, I didn't yell at the TV, but I knew that the Giants on this play, I think it was a fourth and three. They were not going for it on fourth down. Why? Because Nick Gates did not have his hand on the ball like he was going to snap it. The Chicago defense knew, okay, they're not going for it on fourth down. They're just going to call a timeout. We're going to punt. That's something that has to be gone over with, but this is a growing team. And, you know, even though we face the 49ers next week, well, really this week, because today's Tuesday, you know, they're depleted. I don't know that I have faith in the Giants that they're going to win, but look at week four. You know, Aaron Donald's going to be going through that offensive line. What are the fans going to say, that they didn't expect that? Yeah, you know what? I, I agree, and I'll, also I'm going to take it back to before, just to emphasize it, because I can't emphasize it enough that the reason we're losing is not Dave Gettleman's fault, you know? First of all, he's dealt crappy, crappy, yeah, he's dealt a crappy hand with Saquon getting hurt. 
But second of all, everyone just, I'm only saying this again, just to reinforce my beliefs, because if you look at what Dave Gettleman has done, this, especially this off season. And I think that a reason, the reason that this was the, his best off season so far was likely due to the fact that this is his first coach that he truly meshes well with in Joe judge. And, and they have the same mindset of how they want the football team to be run that hard, that hard nose old school football look. But I'm just saying, if you look at it, first of all, the defense has progressed tremendously throughout the year, right? Mm-hmm. Since so last far, year, everyone was going to agree on that yeah. going into this, because going into the season, everyone thought it would be the weak link of this team. Right. And they've clearly, it, been, it's been the opposite because the offense been what's really holding us. it's been what's holding us together. So if you look at it, if any of you guys read any of my articles on all, all New York sports, we've talked about how they're the style defense that they're building and why they're not going after the marquee pass rushers and the first round pass rushers. But if you look at it, what has Dave Gettleman done? Right. So if you look at the strategy they're going, they're trying to build a defense from the backs. Who have our two best players on defense this year? Undoubtedly, James Bradbury and Blake Martinez, both guys that he signed and and he both took heat for for signing both of those guys to sizable contracts. They've been our two best players, and they've hands down been keeping us in games. I mean. Would we have even gotten to that last drive on Sunday without a couple big plays from Blake Martinez and that amazing interception from Bradbury? I don't think so. So you have to hand it to Gettleman for that. It could be way worse. He's adding guys that are fitting the system. And let me bring a positive and let me bring a negative into here. Positive. Giants would not be in this situation with the free agent signings if they had not drafted well in the last two years, I would say. Not all of them have like worked in separate instances, but they've drafted well. Now to the point where they have had to spend a whole lot of money on free agents. The second thing I would like to point out is that it's really odd because, as we mentioned before, the defense has been you know better than the offense this season, which was really not the expectation. The offense was going to be better. That was the expectation. And for the defense, the passing game has been better than the run game. And one thing I did get pissed off about yesterday when I actually looked back, Justin Pennick of Talking Giants tweeted it actually and actually showed a highlight. Towards the end of the game with David Montgomery at running back for the Chicago Bears, you know, Austin Johnson and I think another defensive lineman were in for Dexter Lawrence and also Leonard Williams. Like, I I have total faith in Patrick Graham but my point is you're towards the end of the game and you don't put in you do not put in Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence like another thing that troubled me yesterday on that touchdown David Montgomery had to start the game Nate Ebner was in there it really weirded me out I'm like why is Nate Ebner in there he didn't get you know any tackles or anything but I guess this is a DB system but like just didn't make any sense to me and you know it's been really weird. And I'm not going to say I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, you know, we had draft picks on run-stopping linebackers, you know, because they're in the 7th round and the 6th round too and they're still developing." But my point is, you know, you invested so much in the run game that it's turned out the complete opposite and the run game has been atrocious, but the passing game has been better. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that it's comes down to they've been playing good teams, you know what I mean? Like Sure, they were without David DeCastro, the Steelers, but that's still a great offensive line, you know? And these are still young guys, still gluing together, haven't played any preseason games. And I think that the defense is going to progressively get better over the year with the run game, at least. It might regress in the pass game, 
but it's definitely going to progress in the run game, in my opinion, just because these guys are just getting going, you know, and it's, everyone on the defensive line has looked impressive. All of a sudden, no one's talking about how it was a bad trade for Leonard Williams because he's playing phenomenally. All of a sudden, Dexter Lawrence at 17 is not such a bad pick instead of taking a guy like Montez Sweat because he's playing well. All of a sudden, a guy like B.J. Hill is racking up a sack on Sunday. These guys are playing well, and I just think it's a matter of time before they start to become a real emphasis against the run and, and really stop the run. You know, when they play a team like Washington, do I see Washington running for over 70 yards? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And back to that play with the David Montgomery touchdown, by the way, I just wanted to say, sure, Nate Ebner was in there, but if you actually go back and watch the film, that play was a completely blown play by Julian Love, who I have not been impressed with this season. It's been unfortunate as well. Like, um, I would have to go back and watch, obviously, but from what everybody's saying, you know, he's not been producing other than the interception, which was actually tipped this season. You know, mm -hmm. other than the interception, it hasn't been good. And let's point out a couple of negatives from, you know, obviously the game. Jones first half was not good the no. fumble and then you had the interception which was it not totally his fault it was a good play by the bears with the stun up front and they obviously had Dion bush covering ingram ingram slipped mm -hmm. and that wasn't the first time a player slipped on sunday you know darnay holmes also did when he was covering cole Komet. my yeah. point is you know judge jones did not play well in the first half he bounced back in the second half though as i said the running game on the defense looked bad 135 total yards and it's Really been interesting to me because I've seen this the last two weeks. James Conner and Tariq Cohen did nothing against us. The number two running back, Benny Snell and David Montgomery, put up so many yards against us. And also, you know, Saquon Barkley, he's injured. Sterling Shepard, he's got turf toe. We're still waiting on a corresponding move for Devontae Freeman, which we're going to discuss in a moment. And we only showed off in one half of the game. We only showed up one half in the game, and yeah. that has to fix moving forward because if we're going to win some football games, you know, we get that Joe Judge is a fighter and whatnot. He's making this team, you know, collaborate, but it has to be through all four and not two. Absolutely, but uh, I'm just going to go back and another thing uh, just for the fans out there because I know everyone's hating on Dave Gettleman and everyone's hating on Daniel Jones right now. I just want to go ahead and defend my guy Daniel Jones because I'm still a big believer and I still think that he's meant to be the Giants franchise quarterback. The reason I say this is because, yes, he's made some bad plays, 100%. The, uh, the, uh, the strip sack, terrible. The interception last week in the, in, the, in the red zone against Pittsburgh, terrible, right? So now you look at his stats, I think he's got something like two or three touchdowns on the year while he has four turnovers, right? But at the same time, you have to look at what he's given, the cards that he's dealt, right? So if you look at it in that light, you have to look, first of all, on the first drive of the play against Pittsburgh, Evan Ingram runs the wrong route. He's not where he needs to be. Would have been a clear touchdown. He would have been wide open. That's one mistake by Evan Ingram. Drops by Evan Ingram. Drops by Darius Slayton on a third down, leading to a field goal to give us 13 points when we probably would have scored that drive, right? Things like that are adding up. And if you look at the interception, again, Deion Bush interception, that's Evan Ingram's fault. So, yes, there have been some bad plays by Daniel Jones. But not all of these mistakes are his fault necessarily. And at the same time, he's still playing quite well. If you look at his numbers, if you look at the game and, and how many times he, he's kept us in the game with these play calls that Jason Garrett's calling, if you look at it, the Giants in the first game could not run the ball at all. And the second game, sure, it was better. They brought it up to, I think, without all of Daniel Jones's yards, I think it's something like 3.6 yards per carry. But 
at the same time, that's not good enough. You know, 54 yards on the ground for a team. How is a second-year quarterback supposed to progress if he can't run the ball? If the team can't run the ball, you can't. Guess who's – Alex, I don't know if you knew this one, but do you know who uh, the leading rusher for the Giants is right now? This Daniel season? Jones. Daniel Jones. 43 he has rushing yards on like – 43 yards. 40, that's ridiculous. How many, how many carries? I don't even know. Exactly. You, you, can't, you just can't hold the guy accountable and say that he's a bad quarterback when the team can't run the ball and he's their number one running back. Daniel Jones is the running back for the say Giants right now. You know what I mean? He's running the ball the most. You just can't you can't play well like that, if, especially if you're a young quarterback. An offense revolves around the run game. Once you run the ball and a d- team has to stack the box, play action comes into play. But quarterback can get the ball out quicker. The offensive line gains confidence. It's just how it works. It's one of the three phases of the game. And if you can't run the ball, you can't win football games. Period. And two points I want to make. Uh, for the people who think, you know, for the op- unoptimistic Giant fans, you know, all tank for Trevor. What would Trevor Lawrence do in this situation? Would he make, he wouldn't make do of this, especially if he was a first-year quarterback. He would not make do of this because he'd be, you know, trying to escape the pocket. Maybe he'd be fumbling. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a Clemson fan, honestly. But and a different on a different note, everyone who's watching the Giants game could hear Charles Davis after that touchdown. He said the offensive line is gaining is gaining confidence. Everybody everybody knows that the offensive line is somewhat getting better. They just don't have the hope that this offensive line could get better. And remember, Nick Gates, you know, first time center, he's getting better, and he played better last week. Andrew Thomas did actually struggle. Cameron Fleming's getting a little bit better on the edge, and I actually like how he defended his quarterback on that Roquan Smith personal foul. But those are just some quick points to make. Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to the – I think if you go and you take a survey and you see all the guys who are actually watching the games, the guys who have knowledge for the game, not just like a kind of a fanboy who switches over and watches his fantasy team once the scoreboard is kind of down. If you look at the real fans – Nobody's going to say tank for Trevor. They know that it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? And they know that it's not all on Daniel Jones. Back to what I said before. It's clearly not all his fault. You know? Yes, he's the quarterback. He needs to stop fumbling the ball. He needs to stop. That's unacceptable. He can't fun- can't, believe- can't be fumbling the ball anymore. He just can't. I agree with that. But he's shown flashes of excellence. I can't keep saying it enough. And his team does not provide him with what he needs to do to thrive. So I would say that all the people who are saying tank for Trevor – those are guys who are just bandwagon fans. They don't really know what they're talking about. If we went and drafted Trevor Lawrence in the first round next year, we would not improve as a team because we still don't have necessarily the best offensive line, and our defensive line still isn't great either. That's clearly, you know, it's clearly not the move. We don't. We literally don't have a CB2. We don't. We and Ballantyne and Yaidom are not the answer at that. I mean, Yaidom, if you take a look at one of the – plays and I think it was the first or second quarter he was on Anthony Miller late to the route he is so lucky he is so lucky that Anthony Miller did not catch that, I would that miss, yeah he dropped it he literally had it in the end zone and mm-hmm. one point I'll make you know I disagree with Charles Davis there he said it was good coverage Isaac Yadon was clearly late and Corey really? Ballantyne he fell down on a touchdown to Darnell Mooney you can't do that and Jerome Henderson in the press conference today he said Ballantyne needs to tackle better. Ballantyne needs to do a lot of things better. And, you know, starting to think Giants should have signed maybe Ross Cockrell. I like Ross, and I think the Giants maybe should have signed him or something like that. Because, you know, Logan Ryan, yeah, I get it. You know, it was a good acquisition, safety, and occasional slot corner. But I haven't really, I don't know. I would have to look back at the film and, you know, see what's up there. 
But another point I want to make before we get into this Devonta Freeman thing, a lot of Giant fans are faking when they're saying fire Dave Gettleman because they know it would either be a new GM who wants another quarterback and maybe some of these guys aren't my players. I want them cut. I want to trade them, draft picks, whatever. And also, you know, they would not be happy if Kevin Abrams was the general manager who, according to reports a couple of days ago, wanted Eli out in 2016. So that's another point to make. Yeah, I mean, I think that, again, you, you know how I feel about Dave Gettleman. I think that he needs to be around here for at least two more years to get a fair chance just because his growth was stunted by Eli Manning and all of that. But I, I don't know. It's just I, I think that it's it just doesn't make sense to fire him right now. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. He's hit on so many draft picks. He had a great offseason this year, and the team is clearly progressing. Clearly. So in another move today, the Giants signed Ryan Lewis to the active roster, putting Saquon on IR. We're still waiting for a corresponding move, but the Giants actually did go out and sign a running back, Devonta Freeman. Six years with the Atlanta Falcons. Two years, he had over 1,000 rushing yards. Although his 2019 season wasn't very good, he had an injury-bailed season in 2018. 2019, he had 656 rushing yards and... A, I would say second career high in fumbles with three going back to his 2017 season he had four so my opinion in this situation is that Freeman okay he's a good signing and especially in this situation you don't need somebody like Deion Lewis running the backfield you know same thing with Gallman I'm still a believer in those two but I think you go running back com- by committee here because Freeman has had a history with injuries but at the same time you know, for the Giants fans that want to criticize it, what options did you have out there? Are you going to pull somebody who was an undrafted free agent like Javon Leak and running back by committee there? Or are you going to pull somebody out like Lamar Miller who's coming off an ACL tear? I mean, I think this is this is how I feel about Devontae Freeman. I think that he's clearly probably going to be here for one year and that'll be it. Would you agree? I would agree. So here's what I think. I think that the Giants... If you know the Giants, you know that this year was not the year where they were going to make the playoffs. You know that this was a growth year, and it was it's more about progression and building an identity under this new regime. I think that the main reason they're bringing, bringing Devontae Freeman in is to help Daniel Jones progress. Because don't forget, Wayne Gallman is an injury-prone guy as well. Deion Lewis is not a good every-down back. He's, he's just not. He's, he's more of a pass-catching, third-down back kind of guy. He can block a little bit. But Devontae Freeman is a good back. And you know what? I think he probably will be. Yes, I think it'll be a running back by committee, but I don't think it'll be as much of a split carry committee as as much as a he will be the lead back, kind of 14 carries type of guy, give four or five to Gallman, a couple to Lewis. We'll see what happens, you know? But at the same time, Devontae Freeman was injured in 2018. Before that, he comes off of back-to-back 1,000 rushing yard seasons, right? In the time span from 2017 to 2019, where he was injured and he came back and he had 650 yards, first of all, in 2019, he only played 14 games. So that wasn't a full, that was two games he missed out on. Second of all, yes, he fumbled. Yes, he only had 650 yards, but Atlanta has drastically changed their way of playing the ball game. They don't hand the ball off as much anymore. And if you look at it last year, when he had those 650 yards, Atlanta was the number one passing team in the league by like a walk, like a wide margin. They're clearly a pass heavy team. And if you look at Todd Gurley now, he's not getting more than 11 to 14 carries there. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. It's just the way that it works. And I think that Devontae Freeman going into the season, he had a lot of, he wanted a lot of money. He still believes in himself. He still thinks he has a lot in the tank. It's just more of that the way with the injury went down and the way that Atlanta built their offense last year, he, he just got kind of, kind of got unlucky. I'm not saying he's going to come out and start week three and go for a thousand yards on the season, but I think he can fill, he can fill the role nicely and the main, he's going to fill his per, fulfill his purpose, what he's there for to get the run game somewhat going so that Daniel Jones can progress and they can be good next year. Now, final thoughts on something I discussed on the, now I'm going to do this weekly, the uh, post-game recap every Sunday after the game. But Giants fans were talking, especially now with the Sterling Shepard turf toe injury and now that Tate was out the first game. Do you think that the Giants fans are right? And I honestly wanted this drafted. Do you think they should have drafted a wide receiver or are you at least confident a little bit that the guys on the practice squad, Benjamin Victor, Derek Dillon, Austin Mack, that those guys can at least fill a hole till Sterling Shepard comes back? To be honest with you, I don't I don't know that I love anyone from the practice squad, to be honest with you. And I do think that the Giants will take another mid-round receiver like they did with Slayton, a third to fifth round guy next year in this coming draft. Um but at the same time, I don't think the turf toe injury, it might go for six weeks and might go for one week. It might, that's turf toe. You never know. You know, it's a, it's an injury that comes back and it, it keeps nagging. So there's not really any way to be certain what's going to happen with Sterling Shepard. But no, I, to be honest with you, I'm not so confident in the practice squad guys. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Evan Ingram step up because he's a first round selection and he doesn't have that much on his resume that he should, that should designate him as a first round talent do you think they should possibly consider trading ingram if he doesn't step up at the deadline listen i think that anything's a possibility like i said there's four guys left on the roster who dave gettleman didn't draft evan ingram being one of them so i think yes he might have a shorter leash but at the same time he's well well regarded around the league as like the most freak athlete tight end that they're they have to offer in the league I mean, the guy is more of a receiver tight end hybrid who happens to play the slot. He's just a freak. It's just the problem is that he's not, he's dropping balls. First of all, he's dropping balls. He's not running the routes correctly. He's slipping. He hasn't improved that much as a blocker since he's been drafted. I think that it's, you could definitely, I could definitely see the giants trading Evan Ingram away for a third round pick, maybe a fifth round pick, something in that range. If, things don't pan out or if he, even if he gets injured again well that's the end of this episode of the big blue in the bronx podcast jordan thanks for coming on hopefully we could have you on sometime soon maybe even friday for the preview for the 49ers game as they are heavily injured in the locker room about 10 plus injuries there we'll discuss it on friday thanks for coming on man thanks for having me alex hope to see you soon and obviously with uh some better stuff to talk about about the Giants. Some better hopefully, news. Hopefully a win. Hopefully a win. But I'm not hopefully too sure. Not too Dare sure. I say a win? Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks I predicted, for having I predicted me. last week. Thank you.